what is the most valuable thing in your life right now? What's the most valuable thing in your life right now? If we had a fancy machine that could project people's thoughts onto the screens, I'm sure we'd get a whole variety of different responses. But what would you say is the most valuable thing for you right now as you sit here? Park that thought for a moment. We're going to get back to it just now. But the, um, the background to the series is that quite a few years ago, a friend of mine, a colleague of mine actually gave me a book to read. Uh, it's, he gave me this book. He figured I wasn't a big reader. And he said, you know what? I think you should read this book. Uh, it's going to be good for you. Uh, you're going into ministry, you know, get some, uh, get some Christian uh, novels behind your name. And I read this book. It was called Seeing and Savoring Jesus by an author called John Piper. Some of us might know John Piper, quite a, quite a controversial guy. You know, gets himself into trouble on one or two instances because of his stance and a few things, but really, really powerful book. Uh, and there was a scripture that he referenced in that book that's going to form the basis of the series. Uh, it's from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So if you want to follow with me in your Bible app or if you've got a Bible with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And when I first read this verse, it hasn't left me since that day. And this is what it says. For it is the God... Not, not, note the word, the God, who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is a very, very big verse. <laughs> the revelation of that verse hasn't let me... Uh, uh, Reynold, would you mind just going, going, going back there? Go to the, go to the first one. Um, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts. The same God that spoke creation light in Genesis shone the same light in our hearts for what purpose? To give the light of what? The knowledge of the glory of God where? In the face of Jesus Christ. This message series is going to be about light, friends. It's going to be about light. We're going to look at light from... A bunch of different angles. We're going to consider how to see the light, what the light does, how to shine the light, all in a way of, of experiencing this, what, what this verse is talking about, the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a wonderful quote by C.S. Lewis uh, that talks about the value of light. He says this, I believe in Christianity as I believe in that the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Oh, I like that. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, by the sun, I see everything else. You know, light is an interesting thing. I think all of us can recognize, well, I mean, especially for South Africans, um, you know, we have some darkness that is around. Uh, there is physical darkness. There's spiritual darkness. There's vision darkness. And there would be no need for light had there not been evidence of darkness somewhere. The scripture says right in the very beginning, darkness covered the waters. And God spoke and he said, let there be light. God spoke the word and there was light. There was this separation, this distinction because, between darkness and light. And I suppose we could maybe start off by asking this question. Are there any areas in our lives right now where we need God to say, let there be light. Is there something there where already we can start digging in a little bit and going, God, what is the, what is the thing that you want to shine your light on this morning? 
You know, light is, light is one of those things that, that reveals, doesn't it? You know, we obviously have all heard the quote, darkness is simply the absence of light, right? And that's what light does. When you turn the light on, it reveals things. You see things for what they really are. How many of us have ever spoken to a family member or a friend that's going through a relationship? And you can see, <clears throat> and everybody else can see, that this relationship isn't healthy for them. Anyone ever had a friend or family member like that? Yeah? And what happens when you try and convince them that it's not good for them? Right over the top of their head. No, she's beautiful, and she didn't actually mean it. And then the next time, ah, oh, she's still beautiful. She didn't mean it. And then the next time, she's still beautiful. And you're going, mate, how many times are you going to go down the same cycle that's not healthy for you, all because you don't have the light shining on that relationship? Light reveals things. Light exposes things. And by the light, we see things for what they really are. We get to see, oh, look, this relationship clearly isn't healthy for me. I'm not experiencing God's best here. Maybe there's a shift or a change that I need to make, right? Same thing in business. Same thing in business. Same thing in career. Same thing in everything. When we have the light of Christ shining in our lives, not only do we see the light, but we see everything else for what it is. You know, there's, a, there's quite a, a challenging scripture in Matthew chapter 6. I'll be honest with you, when I first read this, I kind of, battled with it a little bit because it seemed quite hectic. But is it okay if we go to some hectic scriptures in church? I think we should be able to every now and then, right? Matthew chapter 6 says this, the eye is the lamp of the body. He's using this analogy. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Keep it there for a second, Reynard. If your eye is healthy, if the lamp of your body, the, the, the lens by which you view the world is healthy, that light transfers into the rest of who you are. Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. The same principle applies. If there's no light in the eye, if the light is not seen clearly, if the lens, if, if the lens by which you view the world is dark, then your whole body will be full of darkness. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever met someone or spoken to someone like that where it doesn't seem like, like anything that they, that they see or say or anything that comes to them just seems, it seems out of place. Fix the R. Fix the R. <laughs> the R is, is, the, is the lens by which you view things. Sorry, Ren, I'll just go back there to in, in that verse. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's a really powerful and punchy verse, but what it's saying is we need the light of Christ the, the, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus to start affecting things, start affecting our vision, start affecting how we see everything else around us. You see, when you place your life and all its components under the lordship of Jesus, you begin to see things for what they really are. You begin to see your passions for what they really are. You begin to see your finances for what they really are. Henny touched on that this morning. It's not ours, it's his, Right? That's what happens when you place things under the lordship of Christ, under the light of Christ, under the knowledge of the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus. You begin to see everything in your life for, for, for what it is. You know, eyes focused on Christ transfer light to the whole body. But eyes that are in darkness spiritually, actually in this context by serving money rather than God, they tra transfer darkness into the whole body. But it can be applied to other things too. You know, um, it's like having one of those blind spots. 
Who remembers K53 driving when you did your learners? You remember that silly thing where you held it like this and you had to go? Do you remember what one of those checks were? Where it's like mirror, help me out here, mirror, brake, blind spot, indicator. Is that right? Can I be one of the lecturers for the K53? I still remember that. But what, what, what did they, what did they, you know, what's the, what's the point of that? Well, you know, there is that, that, that blind spot in your mirror where when you look in the rear view and you look in the, in the what's his name, the side row, you still can't see that thing because it's in that blind spot. And I think all of us as believers from time to time have spiritual blind spots. There's things that we can't see, but others around us can see. And I guess the, the goal, one of the goals of the series is for us to recognize what those are by allowing the light of Christ to shine on them so that we can begin to change, we can begin to develop, we can begin to experience more of God's glory. That's the goal of the series. I asked you just now what the most valuable thing in your life is. How many of us are brave enough to, you know, perhaps admit that we went down the relational route? Maybe it was my wife or kids. I hope it was there, actually. Some of us are like, does it have to be? No, it should be. Maybe some material things, possessions, maybe some, you know, um, influence things. Maybe it's acceptance things. But how many of us are willing to admit that perhaps the most valuable thing in our life is not something we can acquire, but something we've been given? That verse in, 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 in 2 Corinthians says, God gave us the light of the knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus. And friends, this year, when we've been talking about making space for God and making space for one another, I'm convinced that we're going to experience a new dynamic when we understand the value of God's glory. You know, do you know what the word glory means in the Hebrew? It means weight, weightiness, your, your, your presence, that dialed inness that you have. And I don't know if you've ever experienced those moments. I even felt it like, like uh, this morning in, in, in worship, Sharon, where it just feels like there's a certain weight of God's presence in that moment. That's God's glory. That's God's glory. And, I, and that is the thing, I believe, this year that is going to transform us and equip us into the destiny that God has, has marked out for us to, to receive. How do we do that? That's the question. How do we do that this morning? How do we experience God's glory, this light that he's talking about? Henny, you actually touched on it as well this morning. It's about worship. It is actually about worship, but not just the songs that we sing. It's a, it's, a, it's a deeper level. It's a Romans 12, 1 and 2 kind of worship. This is Paul saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, in view of everything that he's spoken about in chapters 4 to 8, that God has saved us. We are now under grace, not under law. We live a life by the, by the Spirit. And he says, in view of all of this, all of these mercies, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's what it is. It's your whole body. It's all of us. It's our entire being that we lay down, that we present to God, because this is our acceptable worship. And then he says, because of that, don't be conformed to this world. Don't, don't follow the patterns of this world. Don't succumb to the pressures of this world. Stand out from the world because you've offered yourself to God. Don't submit yourself to the things of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. It's amazing to think that according to this verse, we can test and see what the will of God is when we've submitted ourselves to him in worship and rejected and not conformed to the things of the world. What is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? 
I love that scripture. It's such a powerful verse. It's giving us the tools to say, Lord, we want to experience your glory in a new way this year. Help us do that. And in this scripture, he says, give your whole bodies, living sacrifices to me. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. That's the starting point. That's how we begin this journey of experiencing the light of God in our lives. Three simple thoughts this morning, friends. Three simple steps that is going to unpack this concept of worship. How do we see and experience the glory of God in the face of Jesus in our lives? Well, the first one, that first actually touched on it. You've got to fix your thoughts. You've got to fix your thoughts. Um, on the Wednesday evening Grogu that we've been doing, we've been looking at The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Uh, and he says in, I think it's week one, if you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. I like that. When you, when you fix your thoughts on God, when you meditate on Him, the consequence is that your thoughts immediately fall in the correct order. Do you guys see the little steps there? God, I'm placing this before you. There's something to do on my part. There's a focusing on you. And from that place, you begin to fix things. You begin to order things. When I value your glory, your glory changes me. But when I value anything else, that's when things get out of line. Romans 3.23, it's not on the screens. You know what that says? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's what sin is. Sin is valuing anything else above the value of God's glory in your life. That's it. Lord, I valued this thought. I valued this action. I valued this position. I valued this person. I valued this, whatever it is, I valued this thing above the value of your, of your glory. That's what sin does. It separates us from the glory of God. And we have this call this morning to, to fix our thoughts, to focus on the right thing. Place, place God's glory as the most valuable thing in your life and watch what happens to your thoughts as a result. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Some of us will probably know this, know this verse. If you've been around church circles for a while, you've probably heard it quoted a few times. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. And they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Verse 5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Taking every thought captive. I don't know how many of you have ever battled with the war in your mind. Anyone ever struggled with this war in the mind? Kind of sit alone with your thoughts for too long. You know what happens? You start making things up. They start becoming way bigger than you could you know, that's then what's actually happening in reality. You start drifting into all kinds of things and you develop this, this almost warped sense of reality just simply because of what we've allowed to take root in our minds. And this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, we can take, we can take every single thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know, it's one thing to let the thought come in, but it's another thing to let the thought stay there and grow. And the encouragement that we have from, from this verse is don't allow those unhealthy thoughts to take up unnecessary real estate in your mind. And you know what it's like. You feel that thought come in there. Oh, that person didn't greet me this morning. They must hate me. You know, am I really a bad person? I must be a bad person. Or are they just rude? Yeah, they are rude. They're terribly rude. You know what I'm going to do next time I see them? I'm not going to greet them back. In fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send them a message and tell them what a terrible person they are. And how dare they not greet me in church? And you kind of sit with this thing and it develops, right? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You know what, Lord? Okay, I'm feeling this thing, but I don't have to let it stay there. If I want your glory in my relationships, 
I'm not going to allow that thought to take root and to grow into something that it's, that it's not. Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to fix our thoughts. That speaks about meditation. The second step, we have to open our eyes. We have to open our eyes. That's, that's vision. You know, last week, Sunday, I read that scripture from Ephesians chapter 1 that, that Paul prays for the church. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you might know what is the hope of his calling. What about the, the conversation with Saul? In Acts chapter 9. That's another example about opening one's eyes. In fact, it's probably one of the most, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, detailed accounts or, 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 or descriptive accounts of how someone's sight can be changed when you encounter and experience the glory of God. Have a look at Acts chapter 9 uh, this morning from, from verse 1. So this is the guy, by the way. This is Saul who would later become Paul, who would write two-thirds of the New Testament. This is how he got saved. Okay, this is, this is how he got saved. And just by the bar, he wasn't the nicest guy to begin with. Okay, he was, in fact, a pretty horrible kind of guy. This is what it says. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. I mean, you don't really want to be introduced <laughs> in the Bible as someone that breathes threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. But that's what he did. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, which is Christianity as we know it today, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he's setting out to bring all the Christians to jail. Not exactly the most God-honoring uh, uh, mission, right? And just by the way, uh, if you're thinking that you're ever too far gone, if you're thinking you're ever unworthy or not worthy enough or not deserving enough of God's grace, just consider the Apostle Paul for a moment. He was set out to destroy Christians and God used him in a mighty way. Don't ever discount yourself because of your journey. That part was just by, by, by the bar. Part for free, as George always says. Um, now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. Can everyone say the word light? Light. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> who are you, Lord? You know, it's like this thing of he almost knows who it is. And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with Saul stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. I'll keep it there for a moment, do not. Although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. Church, have you ever wondered why you can meet someone that can be around God, around the things of God for years, be exposed to God, but yet never experience any lasting change? And some people, on the other hand, with far less background in faith, far less street cred in the church, can spend one moment in His presence and be completely transformed. See, there's a, there's a difference between, between opening your eyes and seeing. Maybe our eyes are open, but we're not, we're not seeing God for who He is. We've been around God's glory, but we've never opened ourselves up to receive it and make it our own. We were in an encounter with God, but we couldn't see Him. We need the light. We need the light. He saw nothing, so they led Him by the hand. Oh, there's so much poetry in that too. Another day. They led Him by the hand and brought Him into Damascus. And for three days... I see the parallel? Three days. He was without sight. He was without sight and neither ate nor drank. That's a pretty radical moment, right? 
he just hears this voice. It's Lord Jesus saying, I'm, you're the one that, I'm the one that you're persecuting. He goes blind. He can't see. For three days, he neither eats nor, nor drinks. Pretty radical moment. But look what happens in verse, in verse 17. So Ananias, it's a prophet that hears about this guy, departed and entered the house where Saul was. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you that you may, re- that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Note the action here. Then he rose and was baptized, instantly baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. Friends, I wonder if there are any scales on the eyes of any area in our lives this morning that we need a radical move of the Lord to, 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 to take away. There's certainly some scales over the eyes in our nation that need you and me, God's agents, God's ministers of reconciliation to remove. You, you, you know the action that he, he, he laid his hands. It's not just a passive thing, this. It's a, there's, there's something, there's this active sense in which God is calling us to, to, to actually take that step and say, hey, you know what, brother, regain your sight. I want you to see again. I want the light of God's glory to rest on you. I want you to see again. In your career right now, think about people in that office. Hey, man, you've been around God, but I want you to see him for the first time. People in our families, you may have had a bad experience, a, you know, bad experience with God or heard a negative thing about God, but I want to show you who he really is. I want, to, I want to pray for you. I want those scales to fall off. And perhaps even this morning, perhaps there's some scales in, in some area that, that, that God by his spirit is asking us to, to just to allow ourselves to open our eyes on, to see him for who he is. Let's invite his glory in this morning, into that area. Let's open our eyes. Let's fix our vision on him. And then lastly, church, one more step, one more step. The first one, fix your thoughts, meditation. Second one, open your eyes, vision. And then thirdly, clear your heart. Clear your heart, that surrender. You know, I think for the first time in, in the last six or seven years in, in, in being in, in ministry, um, I think for the first time I've experienced God's glory uh, in this way, in this particular season. Um, never before have I felt such a strong sense of, of the Lord wanting to do something new, a supernatural work. I know we use that term a lot in church, and it just means something that cannot be fabricated by human hands. It's outside of our own strength. I've never felt this weight on this, on this, on this um, revelation or, or, or vision before. And I've, I've said it before, but I really think it comes down to, to, to this particular conversation is, are we willing, are we willing to surrender in worship? Are we willing to clear our hearts, make space for God and say, God, would you please fill this? I've tried to fill it with my efforts. I've tried to fill it with my perfection. I've tried to fill it with my performance or my preferences even, but it hasn't worked. God, could you fill this as I clear my heart with your perfection, with your performance, with your presence? I really believe that this is going to be the catalyst. This is going to be the thing that separates us apart from any other year as the church globally is this renewed awareness of the presence of God in the face of Jesus Christ in all of our, in all of our areas, in our, in our lives. And it comes down to surrender. You could almost say that the degree by which we are willing to surrender 
is a degree by which we will encounter God in a real way this year. The more we hold on, the less we'll experience. The more we surrender, the more we'll experience. You know, it's a classic um, analogy. How on earth is God going to, to release something new in your life if you are sitting like this the whole time, closed fist? You know, you know we say we have to open up. We have to let go. We have to release. We have to surrender so that God can supply again. Church, this, this year, I'm telling you this year, the more we surrender, the more God is going to supply. I've already seen, we've already seen amazing things happen this year. And I think this is just, just the beginning. It's just the start. We have to be willing to surrender, to open up our lives and receive God's supply. Psalm 24, verse 3 to 8. We sing the song. It's the lyrics, uh, the, the lyrics from the song. It says, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And this is the verse that we sing in, in one of our worship songs. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. See, there's an action on our part. Who is this King of glory? He is the Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Church, we have a call on us this year to experience God's glory in a new way, to see His glory revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. But it's going to come at some kind of a cost. It's going to come at some kind of a cost. You don't want to come to church and hear about, oh, it's going to cost me. But you know what? I wish that someone had actually told me that early in my Christian journey, that following Jesus is going to cost you something. Plenty of scriptures on that. But what, what, what is the cost? The cost is this. It's the sacrifice of praise. It's even when I don't feel like it, I have this call to clear my heart. I have this call, Lord, to surrender. I have this call to open up my life, to lift up my hands and worship you. Because when I do, that's when I invite the King of glory in. We have to be willing to take this step this year, church. And if we're going to experience God's light, God's, God's glory in our lives, it's going to come at this, at this cost. It's going to come at this need to, to lift up a sacrifice of praise. You know, David said he doesn't want to offer the Lord something that costs him nothing. Why is that? Because God's glory is the most valuable thing. And you are willing to sacrifice what you value. Sacrifice for what you value. And church, we have this wonderful promise. Um, just as we kind of consider this, this, this conversation, um, James 4, James 4 chapter 8, says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to, to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, double-minded. It's very hard to worship when you're double-minded on something, isn't it? Oh, Lord, I'm kind of living two lives, you know? Church life or Christian life and then other life. <laughs> very hard to experience anything from God like that when you're kind of sitting on the fence. I believe that the call on us this year is to purify our hearts, be single-minded, about a lifestyle of worship to the King of Glory. Be single-minded, be determined, be absolutely committed to live a life and fix our thoughts on Him, to open our eyes, to see Him for who He is 
and to clean our hearts, to clear our hearts, to surrender, because that's how we will encounter him in a real way. Can you say amen to that? I've thought a lot about this series and um, where we're going to go, and I'm actually looking forward to having Damien back here, not next week, the week after, to share part three about share, uh, shining the light, because we've received the light, but we also want to shine the light to others, right? Uh, and I've been thinking a lot about what to sort of land on, and I suppose if we could summarize it and say that the goal of the series for me would, would be for all of us in every area of our lives to experience God's glory in a new way. Maybe for the first time, maybe as a refreshing time, but I really do believe that when we surrender ourselves, when we submit to his leadership, when we value God's glory as the most important thing in our lives, we are going to have a supernatural year this year. This year is not just going to be another year. I really feel the sense so strongly on my heart. It's, this is not just going to be another year on the calendar that we tick off, another year of going through the same things, another year of, you know, just seeing the same struggles. But this year is going to be a breakthrough year. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to require a little bit of investment from our side. And I promise you it's going to be worth it. Because you don't want to get to the end of 2023 having looked back on the miracles and the breakthroughs and the victories that happened and say, oh, you know what, I should have been a part of that. I could have, I could have, I could have added something to that. You want to get to the end of this year and look back and go, look at how good the Lord has been. Look at what he's done in my life by how the little, the little that I opened, the, the small step that I took, look at how God supernaturally supplied everything that I needed. And my job in this series, I, I think, is going to be to help us to, to gain the courage to, to, to say yes to him, to place God's glory as the most valuable thing in our lives and let everything else fall in line underneath that. And together throughout this series, I'm really looking forward to hearing some testimonies like we heard this morning. That's a breakthrough right there. That's an absolute breakthrough. That is God's glory revealed in provision for, for people. It's amazing. And I really am looking forward to more of those stories this year and, and, and throughout, throughout the series as we recognize again the value of God's glory that's revealed in the face of Jesus. Are we willing this week to remove the scales, church? Can we see God's glory in the face of Jesus in that area? Can we see his glory revealed in that area in our, in our lives this week? Would you, would you stand with me as we pray? I actually wanted to say this at the beginning, but please excuse me if I sound a little bit um, groggy. I've, both my wife and I have been batting with a little bit of flu this week, so I feel like it's getting to my voice now. There's a breakthrough I need, God's glory in terms of healing right there, preaching to myself this morning. Would you just take a moment and pray um, as we kind of just reflect on, on that scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God, not any God, it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. He created life in Genesis, who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. God, thank you that you are still speaking creation light into your people today. And Father, if there's any area of darkness, if there's any place in us where the scales are over our eyes, would you by your Spirit remove them this morning? Would you shine your supernatural light into that area that we would experience your glory in a new way? Father, would you move mightily, not only throughout this series, but throughout this year, in and through your people? as we surrender to you, as we lift up our hands in worship, as we fix our thoughts on you, we're not going to lose the war in our mind anymore. We're going to win that war. 
your word says that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Father, would you help us as we, as we clear our hearts, clean our hearts, remove those scales, Father. Get rid of those things that, that shouldn't be there. We're not going to conform to the pattern of this world anymore. We're going to be transformed. And Father, as we see, as we, as we fix our vision, as we focus on you, as we look you in the face, Jesus, because that's when we see the light and that's where we see everything else in our lives by the light. And that's what we want to do, Father. We want to experience your glory in a new way this year. And we just commit to being good stewards of the grace that you have given us. Thank you for breakthrough. Thank you for a brand new season. Thank you for joy, Father, in your presence that goes with us wherever we go. And we worship you as a community. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you so much, church, for joining us this morning. Could you give God one more shout of praise and worship? Thank you.